This is Peter Helland and Dr. E. Michael Jones on Citizens for Community Media. And we are here in uh, the local public access studios, South Bend, downtown South Bend. And we are about a block from the St. Joseph County Library. And we've called this show St. Joseph County Library Enables the Genocide in Gaza. <clears throat> now, you're going to have to have a little patience and we'll explain how that title can make some sense. Mike and I attended, with several other uh, friends, uh, a talk on the, on the history of Israel, or Understanding Israel was the name of the talk, at the uh, Jude Creek uh, Public Golf Course, or Golf Course, about two weeks ago, a week ago. Uh, Casey Hendrickson, who's become a famous uh, celebrity talk show host here, and the newly elected, somewhat newly elected, uh, Jewish um, city council representative, Eli Wax. Okay. And that was at 12 o'clock. At 10 o'clock, they had a uh, county council meeting at, uh, at 10 o'clock. To, yep. dis to discuss the St. Joseph County Library issue. Um, so at the luncheon, uh, which I had been to Judy Creek luncheon a year earlier that was put on by Jackie Walorski, okay? So I know that, that the people who put that on, especially the women, are very strong believers in Jackie Walorski and her uh, position toward Israel, okay? She went to Lester Summerall's church, I'm very familiar with, and then Bible College at Jerry Falwell's Liberty Bible College. So one is Pentecostal, one is just straight Baptist, but what they have in common is C.I. Schofield theology, okay? Which is that America will be blessed as long as it keeps blessing the Jews and keeps blessing Israel. And that belief is super strong, okay? It's fading, it's fading. The younger people don't buy it, okay? But the people in power still are attached to that. Okay, so you see that with Mike Johnson, the Speaker of the House. Okay, so when, when we went to that meeting, we didn't really know what to expect, but we got a super boring history lesson that I noticed that you and Gus in particular thought was super amateurish, okay? It was, it was really a dumbed-down version, and it was also a Zionist version. It was Zionism for dummies. That's the title I would have given the talk. So it began with uh, uh, claiming that the State of Israel was founded in 1700 B.C., uh, that's off by about 1,625, no, about uh, 1,925 years. But uh, anyway, that was uh, Abraham, uh, the Abrahamic covenant, which didn't really have anything to do with Jews. Uh, and then it went from there, downhill. Well, there, there could be some truth. To, I mean, the whole idea of being in the land was <coughs> you get kicked out of the land when you fall away from the law of God, okay? And if you repent, you can come back. But the people that came back were Marxist communists out of Moscow. So you, wait a minute, you're talking about a conflation here that is a, an essential part of, the, of Zionist propaganda. 
and that is that there is some unbroken continuity between Abraham and the founding of the State of Israel. Now that's a lot of history, a lot of ground to cover, and uh, the evidence is simply not there. And it became obvious that this was some type of sleight of hand. So on the one hand, uh, Casey gives this talk about Joshua and uh, talks about the complete extermination of the Philistines. So in other words, they completely cease to exist. But then we get to the uh, diaspora, and it turns out that, well, there, were the Jews dispersed or not? They were, as far as I know, that's why it's called the diaspora. The Jews were displaced from um, Jerusalem. Jerusalem ceased to exist as a city at that time. There was a bishop, uh, I forget where I read this, but uh, the bishop uh, was talking to someone, uh, uh, and the, someone said, uh, have you been to Jerusalem? And the person said, what's Jerusalem? You never heard of Jerusalem. It was replaced by a city called Aelia Capitolina. The Romans decided to completely eradicate any memory. And so from there we jump to uh, 1945 uh, when a, a group of uh, Polish terrorists showed up and started engaging in the ethnic cleansing of the Palestinian people from the beginning. This is not new. Okay, you want to look it up, uh, look up Deir Yassin and what happened to Deir Yassin when the Stern gang showed up and they simply engaged in exactly what is happening today, which is the ethnic cleansing of Gaza and the extermination of any Palestinian that doesn't leave. Okay, so that's what we, that's where we're subjected to. Um, at that point, uh, the, 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 it was over and I stood up, they asked her any questions, I stood up and I said, that this was uh, an insult to the intelligence of everyone in the room. That they would give you this tendentious piece of propaganda and expect that nobody knew any differently about this. And of course that set Casey Hendrickson off who started shouting at me at that point. Casey's holding the microphone. He's holding the only microphone in town. And every time I try to get a, a word in edgewise, he shouts, you down. He shouts me down. Uh, shouts me down, and I. So what I was trying to say is, look, I'm I'm here to, I'm here to help. <laughs> I'm here to help because I said first of all, uh, St. Joe County, as far as I know, does not have a foreign policy. We don't have um, we don't have an army, uh, we don't have a navy, and we don't have an air force, and so there's not a damn thing we can do about the ongoing genocide in Gaza, even if you recognize it as such. And I said the problem was that uh, this distracted us from us. I think there, I was trying to say there was an us here that was basically the residents of St. Joseph County. That's what I was talking about. Uh, well, it's clear he didn't agree with that. But anyway, it's distracting us from a real problem which we could solve. And that is the problem of the library. And I said, I was made aware of that problem by Amy Drake, mentioned Amy Drake's name, and said that I received her newsletter. And that uh, she, I've been following this newsletter, I did, uh, hand me that, uh, the, the magazine. I, in November, this is not a news story, in November, I did the cover story of Culture Wars magazine on the library battle in St. Joseph County. Uh, it's not, uh, it's the whole background, not only just of the library battle in St. Joseph County, but also the whole battle over the American Library Association. 
and the American Psychological Association because all the way back to the early 1970s when there was a takeover uh, of this group. So I said, I've been following it. Amy Drake writes these newsletters. Amy Drake is a local politician who was elected as a Republican to the county council because of her opposition to the COVID mandate. That's how she got involved in politics. Okay, and now she, because she's here, she's involved now in the culture wars because if there's ever a quintessential culture wars battle, it's the battle over the library. Like, who gets to control the library? And it became obvious that the people of South Bend had been uh, disenfranchised. They had been, uh, their, the library had been stolen from them by a group of um, um, basically lesbian activists. And they show up in mass whenever there's uh, a challenge to the who has hegemony over the library. So I remember being at the library meeting. There's Amy surrounded by uh, a swarm of lesbians wearing black t-shirts saying, uh, keep your hands off my books or something like that, banned books, whatever, any, something like that. And she was basically shouted down, as is everyone, every mother who testifies to the fact that we should not have homosexual propaganda in our libraries for children. Let me, let me ask a, a question. You know, the, the next article you wrote a week or, I don't know, a week or two later is, is Sun Tzu and the Library Wars. And you, and you say, and I'm going to hit you with this probably a couple times, that Sun Tzu, and you only quote Sun Tzu, or you bring him up just like in one sentence. Sun Tzu said once that if you don't know who you are and you can't identify the enemy, you will lose every battle. My, my question is a broad, what is the public library? What's its history? Was it intended to be? How does it fit into American culture? Well, I came from Philadelphia, and that was where the public library began. And it was Ben Franklin. There's a little bit of complication there, but basically Ben Franklin created a library because he felt that all the founding fathers felt, that's why they did the First Amendment, that uh, freedom of speech, freedom of press was essential to have an educated populace because if you, uh, and you need an educated populace so that they could vote properly, so they can make the right decisions. They had their own understanding of reality, and so the libraries were crucial to that understanding. So as, when I was growing up, uh, uh, my mother took me to the library, and <laughs> we took out books, and I was just let loose. There's the children's section. You go in there and pick out the book you want. And so it would be, you know, I remember books about, uh, you know, people off in the woods of Upper Michigan and, you know, books about dogs, stuff like that. And I remember taking them home and reading them, enjoying them. Well, if you do that to the St. Joe Library, you're going to, uh, your child is going to be uh, assaulted by a book called Flamers. Uh, and they had the author here. This is propaganda for homos the homosexualization of your children. That's what's going on. Didn't the Soviet Union really push public libraries? See, the question is, what kind of censorship is inherent in public libraries? Is there a subtle censorship? Of course there. Look, it's not censorship. Uh, first of all, no library in the world can contain every book in the world. So you have to have a selection process. And the selection process, this is a significant book and this is not. Well, that selection process was got hijacked by the group of people that took over the American Library Association. And they used it not to create, you know, put good books on the shelves. They had agenda books on the shelves. And the main agenda right now is the promotion of homosexuality. It's that simple. These people are an alien group of people that have taken over the library system. And there's a nationwide protest. It's not just a local issue. So just recently, Texas broke off relations with the American Library Association because it's now it's, it's, run, it's run by a lady who describes herself as a Marxist lesbian. 
okay? And this is Marxist lesbian propaganda. Uh, uh, and that's, that's sort of what's going on here. And so Amy clearly understands this. She's got a clear sense this is a political issue. This is something the Republicans should get behind. And maybe you can expand your base. This is kind of the mentality I bring to this meeting. It's, well, it's almost like Mike Pence backing <coughs> down on RIFRA. Here's the chance. And that's where he blew it. In other words, they, they could have stood their ground and then they back off. And well, then wait a minute. Yeah. So you're getting ahead of the story here. So Amy, so at the same, we're getting emails from Amy. I'm getting unmasked here in the emails. And they're all focusing on, was it December 12th? Yeah. Okay, December 12th is basically... That's when we had the meeting. First thing, <coughs> December 12th, crucial meeting of the county council. We have the Republicans. We have the votes. We're going to vote out the guy, the crucial figure in this whole thing, which is a lawyer, local lawyer by the name of Mark Feldman. No, I'm sorry, Feldbaum. Mark I just Feldbaum. Have one, I have one question. Why would they be meeting on Saturday at 10? Was that a special meeting? The county council? I have no idea. I can't answer that question. I, I don't know. All, all I, oh, no, that was Tuesday. But there's, they don't normally meet Tuesday. at 10. I do, you it, ask it sounds it, like a special meeting. Don't ask me questions. You have to ask the Republicans <laughs> about the questions like this. I'm trying to uh, an analyze what's happening. So I'm hearing from Amy. I've already written the article. I'm hearing from Amy. Now we're marching forward to a point where we can actually do something. And then suddenly... Out of the blue, I get this announcement on the same day, uh, within two hours of the original meeting, we got another meeting. And this meeting's about Israel. Well, wait a minute. Why are we talking about Israel? We can't do a damn thing about Israel. And then you go to the meeting, and it's the most condescending, patronizing uh, parade of nonsense and Zionist propaganda that it was an insult to everyone's uh, intelligence. Okay, I mean, so we're smarter than that. But, but Casey didn't know that, though. But they're giving us a pro-Israel position because the, 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 the Republicans and the Christians in this area, they're most, most are, are pro-Israel. So they're, we're giving a, we're, we'll give you the pro-Israel position, but you have to give us the, the sodomy. You have to surrender the no, sodomy. Wait, so this is the way it's, it's gathering. Let, let's put it together here. I'm saying... So to get back to the meeting, I'm trying, Casey's shouting at me. Every time I try to say something, he's shouting at me. You're a liberal. Blah, 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 blah. Okay. And so I'm saying, no, I'm trying to say this. This is an issue that we can deal with. And I said, the library issue says, we're already dealing with the library issue. Where were you at the meeting? Kind of, kind of crude, arrogant guy, like, like a cut-rate Sean Hannity, you know? So anyway, I'm ready to, I can't, can't get a word in edgewise. Uh, and at this point, Amy's in the room. Okay, she came late because she had to get to the meet, get to the downtown meeting. She's in the room, uh, and I'm saying, "Oh, I guess they did. Uh, oh, gee, they're they're supporting." Well, that's not true. And this came out one day later. Okay, one day later, Amy finally breaks eye. So Amy comes late and she leaves early. I don't think I did her any favors by endorsing her newsletter, but that that's she shouldn't send it out. She doesn't want people to read it. Uh, and next day, the real story comes out. So it did come to a vote to get rid of Feldbaum. But guess who voted in favor of Feldbaum? The three Republicans. So Derek Dieter, I forget who the other ones were. I have my own dealings with Derek Dieter. Derek 
stabbed Amy in the back. Here's Casey. Oh, yeah, we got that covered. No, you don't. This whole thing, from my point of view, from what I can see, was staged to basically make sure Amy didn't succeed in trying to clean up the library. So wait a minute. Now you got the Republicans supporting the Democrats over the library, which is so obvious an issue. Now, why did they do this? Now, I'm assuming most people listening can't follow what we're saying exactly. Is there any way? Okay, let's go back again. Amy announces important meeting. We're going to get rid of, uh, is it Alan Feldbaum? Whatever his name is, mm -hmm. Mr. Feldbaum. Okay. No, he's, no, he's been on the library. He's, been, he's the one years. who is responsible for the homosexualization of the library. It took place on his watch. That's why we have flamers. That's why we have this book is gay. That's why we have a completely intransigent position when mother comes in and says, couldn't you move this to the, to the adult section? And the library says, no, no, we're going to shove it in your face. We're going to corrupt the morals of your child. We have a right to corrupt the sexual morals of your children. But they hide behind the First Amendment to do it. Yeah. Well, whatever they hide behind, uh, they, they, uh, suddenly the First Amendment doesn't apply at Harvard, but now it's, they use it as a pretext here. So that's the issue. Then they announce, the Republicans, now, oh, we're going to have a talk on Israel, which is obviously now meant to distract us from the fact that the fix is in. The Republicans are going to stab Amy in the back and vote to keep Feldbaum in his position. So this is now, I think we can now see the big picture here. Okay? So what does uh, Eli Wax and Mark Feldman, what do they have in common? One's a conservative and one's a liberal, but they're both Jews. And when you read this article, you realize that it was the Jews who took over the American Library Association and have been using it to promote the sexual revolution ever since they took it over. They were the ones that took over the American Psychological Association around the same time. So what you have now is uh, the reality, the political reality of St. Joseph County, which is basically, are you upset about homosexual propaganda in the library? Well, then you should vote for a Republican. Uh, but if you vote for a Republican, then you're supporting genocide in Gaza. Okay? Well, that doesn't sound attractive to me. So, on the other hand, if you are upset about genocide in Gaza, well, then you should vote for a Democrat. But if you vote for a Democrat, you're going to get Feldbaum and the homosexualization of the, uh, of the library. Uh, used to corrupt the morals of his children. So you've got Jews controlling both sides of the equation. And that's the hidden grammar of politics in St. Joseph County. You're going to end up supporting one Jewish policy or another, no matter who you vote for. Now, I was hearing maybe 15 years ago, the word, the word that was being told me, and I could see it, they're bringing in Jews and homos into South Bend. That was the word 15 years ago. That's what's happening. Jews and homos are coming into South Bend. You think there's truth to that? Well, then we, we met this at the, uh, what was that place where we used to go? Oh, yeah, Lang Lab. Lang Lab. Yeah. Is, there, is there an office there? Didn't you meet yeah, they someone? Had, yeah, there, was, a, a there was an office there to recruit Jews to bring them into South Bend. He took an office. That was his job. Okay, so what we're seeing here is the, also the other prospect here is the transfer of populations 
the control of population by uh, orchestrated migration. This is exactly what's happening in Europe. The Jews are in charge of that. Check out the video by Barbara Lerner Spector. It's famous now about how the Europeans will have to learn from the Jews how to become a multicultural society. And so what we have here is the wars in the Middle East, particularly the war in Syria, was creating huge numbers of refugees and then they were being brought into Europe to basically dilute, replace and destroy the local culture and the local population. Classic example, the most grievous example of this is Ireland at this point, which let uh, the big tech in, Google, Big Pharma, they got the foothold in there and they decided we're going to change the government. And so at that point they started uh, manipulating referenda, like the referendum on abortion, referendum on gay marriage, they manipulate things. We know that Google does this. They're not uh, innocent bystanders in this thing. And as a result, they end up with a homosexual Tisic or prime minister. And he goes on, the, uh, goes on to addresses the Dale or the parliament and says, there are too many white people in, in Ireland. Now, this is a trap. I've, I've talked about this on my program with Gemma and the Gemma O'Doherty and her program in Ireland. This is a trap because there are no white people in Ireland. There are only Irish people in Ireland. And if they identify as white, they've fallen into the trap that I've talked about many times with uh, Charlottesville and so on and so forth. So this is the big picture. This is what's happening in Europe. And you have the same type of thing happening in South Bend, Indiana, who thought it was, we were significant enough here, but we are significant because we are being targeted now for total full spectrum control of our culture and our political system. Uh, now, like I said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go to that Sun Tzu, but uh, Sun Tzu said that if you don't know who you are and you can't identify the enemy, so we, uh, I'm thinking of Russia, you have a son that married a Russian lady. Russia knows who they are, okay? And that's why they're winning. NATO and that alliance doesn't really know who they are. How can they know who they are? And that's why they're losing. Do, we, do Americans know who they are? Who are well, they? Well, let's focus, let's keep focused on the local issue. Let's uh, focus on Amy Drake. Well, I, I ask uh, Eli Wax. Ask any Jew, do you know who you are? Well, yeah. Uh, we have a group of people whose primary allegiance is to the Jewish people and Israel. They are incapable, incapable of representing the interest of the American people, okay? Uh, Eli Wax is only a local example of this. So you ask him, well, what are the issues in St. Joseph County? Well, it's Gaza, the war in Gaza. We have to support it. Well, wait a minute. That's not your job here to represent it. Your job is to represent the people of St. Joseph County. This is the problem throughout the country right now. So you have the Biden administration, uh, 457 Jews in the Biden administration. The cabinet is, has enough Jews to have a, a minion. Uh, Anthony Blinken, uh, Mayorkas. Uh, Mayorkas is a Jew who's in charge of homeland security, uh, whose job is to protect the southern border. He's doing a bad job because he does not represent the interest of the American people. There's a hidden agenda going on here. Same thing, so, uh, same thing with uh, Merrick Garland, another Jew. He's in charge of the Justice Department. Well, uh, Josh Hawley hauls him in and says, look, you've got this memo here. You're going after conservative Catholics because they're pro-life. He said, no, I wouldn't do that. So he says, look, the memo's here. It's clear. 
And so whenever they get caught in this situation where they can't defend what they're doing, they immediately do the same thing. They all do the same thing. And they say, I have relatives who died in the Holocaust. The problem here is that we, it's a crisis for representative government. This group of people cannot, they're constitutionally incapable of representing the interest of the American people. Okay, so let's bring Amy, Amy Drake back in. Uh, does she know who she is? She's described herself as a Catholic libertarian. When you tell me that, you are telling me that you don't know who you are. Because Catholic and libertarian is a, an oxymoron. It's a contradiction in terms. You cannot be a Catholic and a libertarian. Uh, what you're saying is you don't know who you are. Okay, and then it's compounded by the fact that she's uh, uh, a, a Republican, uh, and that's the party she represents. And uh, that further complicates her identity. Okay, what does she mean? And so right now, she's in a conflict here with other people who call themselves Republicans. The Republicans stabbed Amy in the back. What does that say? about the Republican Party. What, whose interests do they represent? Well, they represent the interest of Eli Wax, it looks like to me. Well, at, at that meeting, the, at, the questions and answers that came after you spoke first, the one guy said, our school here needs to, we need to have an official statement from the school condemning anti-Semitism. Remember, he, he wanted the school and then Eli Wax goes, well, I kind of agree with that, but as far as the Constitution, maybe we shouldn't. Okay. You, you have the whole history of Christian Zionism is engineering consent so that the people will willingly identify themselves with their enemies. But to get back to this first question is, so Amy doesn't know who she is. She's got an identity crisis here. <clears throat> and because she doesn't know who she is, she can't identify the enemy. Because there is no category called Jew in political discourse. You cannot, you're not allowed to use this category. So you have to use these fake categories of liberal and conservative. <clears throat> the whole point of this instant incident is there is no distinction here between liberal and conservative when it comes to the control of the political, the political operation in St. Joseph County. Both sides of the aisle have to capitulate, have to put Jewish interest as their primary interest. Well, if conservative is supposed to be with Republican, how can you be conservative and you're promoting gay sex, the worst type okay, of... Okay, it's very simple. It's very simple. Conservative is a completely empty category of the mind that gets whose content gets determined by the rich and the powerful. It's very simple. So when you have a, a, a player like Sheldon, the late Sheldon Adelson, who shows up with millions of dollars, uh, he gets to determine what conservative means. So you have, uh, uh, I've said this before, I said it in Iran, there are three reasons why we don't have uh, a nuclear agreement with Iran. Sheldon Adelson, Bernard Marcus, and Paul Singer. Three rich Jews making major contributions to the Republican Party, they determine our foreign policy. Well, well, the system we have is one dollar, one vote. Okay, now that's, that's great, okay? This, these are the, this is the money that goes in and funds the candidate, but the candidate has to go 
<clears throat> to the public at a certain point. But you're dealing and with... And get the votes. And so what you do is you have this esoteric thing. It's one dollar, one vote. And then they have to get someone to pull the lever. And the crucial conveyor belt between that and the other is Christian Zionism in this, in this particular county. And, and we live in a culture that wants to worship celebrities. So you get a guy like Casey Hendrickson, who's from Las Vegas, and he worked for a CBS affiliate. He comes here and does his, and does his talk show, and now he becomes a celebrity. So he's an authority. They made a, him an authority because they want to worship he's what, celebrities. He's what you would call in the Soviet Union a commissar. A commissar was a political uh, appointee who was attached to a military unit to make sure that the military unit acted according to the principles of the party. This is what he's there to do. His job is to keep these people on the reservation, the Republican reservation, as the people at the top define it, as the money people define it. And the money people have basically said uh, the, that it's uh, always been this way, always been this way, that the Republican Party does not deal with social issues. They do not like social issues. And so what you had over a period of time was people who broke with this. Ronald Reagan was an example who saw a moment of opportunity where he could get all of the disaffected Democrats uh, to join the Republican Party and vote for him. They were called Reagan Republicans. <clears throat> It was a book that was written, the emerging Republican minority, majority. I mean, uh, uh, Richard Nixon did it first in 68. Uh, Reagan did it again. And Reagan said he was against abortion. Well, this was exciting until you realized he didn't mean, it didn't mean a damn thing. He didn't do anything to do that. And that's been the kind of uh, history of the Republican Party. So my, I'm trying to figure out Amy, uh, from my experience, and I suddenly realized she's the, she's the Phyllis Schlafly of St. Joe County. Now, I'm sure she thinks that's a compliment, but it's, it's a little more sophisticated than that. Uh, <coughs> Phil, <coughs> I interviewed Phyllis Schlafly about three months before she died. It's probably the last interview she had. I was down there in St. Louis. Uh, interesting conversation. Uh, I'd hate to I don't think it was, you know, she wasn't really all there. I asked her what she thought of the neoconservative movement. She didn't know what a neoconservative was, which was the biggest movement, you know, that time. But she, she was a significant figure in the Republican Party. She was the one who stopped the Equal Rights Amendment in the 1970s. And she could mobilize these women. They could go to the state houses that had to ratify this thing. And they could terrorize the state uh, legislatures and so every the state legislatures would not ratify and so it failed great achievement on her part and so what happens then well that's it forget it you're not going to determine policy and she was smart enough she wrote a book the actually the campaign biography of uh, Barry Goldwater in which she basically figured out the number the 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 hidden grammar of the the Republican Party which is it's the loser party let me, let me shoot an insight in. You quote uh, the psychiatrist um, Freud that homosexuality is brought forth because you have a passive father and the kid can't learn masculinity from a passive father. And then with the passive father, you're going to have more of a matriarchy. You're going to have a dominant mom. Okay. 
which means you're going to have women in politics. Okay, so why is a woman in politics? Probably because there's a passive father. Well, this is what produces the homosexuality. So how can she be against homosexuality when she's in a petri dish that produces it? This you is, this you see is, the dilemma? I, I can see the dilemma. It's, too, it's above her pay grade, figuring things out. I mean, judging from what we, we already know. So I don't think she understands the ramifications of that. But uh, getting back to Phyllis Schlafly, she understood the grammar of the Republican Party, which was basically uh, epitomized by uh, nominating Wendell Wilkie uh, for the president candidates. Uh, he was from Indiana. Nobody ever heard of him, even in Indiana. Nobody ever heard of Wendell Wilkie. He, he was created by a, a Life magazine photographer who went to that small town in Indiana. They got about 17 people out. He was in the back of a, uh, a convertible, and they took a picture, and that was on Life magazine, and that was his identity. Well, it turns out he was uh, nominated to lose. That's why I call it the loser party. They nominate people to lose. And so the, the, a further example would have been Bob Dole. Remember Bob Dole? Mm -hmm. Bob Dole was uh, nominated to lose to Bill Clinton because they wanted Bill Clinton because they liked him and they liked Gatton after and all the oligarch stuff that Bill Clinton was involved in, stabbing the unions in the back. Uh, his real job was to destroy the Buchanan faction of the Republican Party at that point. And, and then, that's, you, and then that's, you mentioned a third one in your article. Well, there's... And that was Dawn Jones. Dawn Jones. And I interviewed her because she was running against Pete Buttigieg. Pete Buttigieg. So we, we've got, uh, you know, another example of someone who is uh, going to throw the fight, okay? Yeah, they got big bets on this thing, you're going to throw the fight. And how do I know that? Because she would not... Look, she wouldn't contest the main issue in that campaign, which was Pete Buttigieg coming out as a homosexual. This was a big issue. You were there when the Black Ministers Association asked me to give a speech in front of this black church uh, west, uh, west of town. And uh, I'm there talking about uh, the issue. This is a fundamental issue because they're going to take over. Of course I was right because they took over the library uh, thanks to Pete Buttigieg. You know, now it's uh, totally under their control. Uh, but at that point they sent the... Uh, the uh, Tribune, the Tribune editor. Remember the Tribune? That was a newspaper here at one mm -hmm. time. The building just got sold to Notre Dame because they are a colossal example of uh, not knowing their identity as a local newspaper. But anyway, the, uh, the newspaper reporter comes to me and he says to me, uh, Obergefell just got handed down by the Supreme Court, which I'm sure Pete had the inside story. Uh, and he says to me, how does it feel to be on the wrong side of history? And I said, son, if there were ever an institution on the wrong side of the history, it's the Supreme Court of the United States of America. And then I said, have you ever heard of the Dred Scott decision? And at that point, all the black ministers standing behind me burst out laughing. And the guy uh, made a fool of himself because he had never heard of that. And then that the Republican, then the Democratic chairman of the party of Saint, in St. Joseph County attacked me as a racist. I <laughs> didn't you see all those black guys behind me? This is the type of low-level moronic politics that takes place here in South Bend, Indiana. And this is precisely this problem here with lack of identity. We have synthetic identities being imposed upon us, 
like Democrat and Republican, that have no connection with reality and are instruments of control in the same way that black and white are categories of the mind that get imposed on us to divide us and are used as a form of control. Well, part of the problem is Notre Dame, because Notre Dame is an institution that research institution that seeks truth, that, you know, it's always pursuing truth. And no, this is it's, a called, it's called money. No, it's a research that seeks money, and that's all they've been interested in. Do you remember, there was a guy, we were here in this studio, and there's a Notre Dame faculty member who's running against Jackie Walorski. Do you remember this guy? Yeah, yeah. What was his name? Do you remember his name? Uh, um, yeah, it was just talking about him. He was uh, a professor at Notre Dame who was an expert in the Middle East. So, yeah, so this is, we have the debate here. Guess what this guy, Jackie Walorski, is a Christian Zionist who is campaigning for the, uh, you know. Congress. Yeah, but I mean, she's a representative of the military industrial complex and the Israel lobby, IPAC. Okay? This guy had lived in Gaza. He lived in, uh, among the Palestinians. He refused to talk about that. No, well, I interviewed him, right. He ref I, was here no. when, I was here when he was interviewed. I said to him, I went up to him after, I said, why didn't you talk about God? Oh, blah, 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 blah. Well, he was because he was advised, because the fix is in. Whenever you're running for office here, the fix is in. And so you can support genocide in Gaza, or you can support the homosexual takeover of the library, but they're the only options. And that's it. And both of those options are controlled by Jews. So we have a group of people who are constitutionally incapable of representing the people of South Bend in control of the political process in South Bend. Well, uh, Dabney, who I like from the South, talking about the Civil War, says the conservatives have no intention of being martyrs. No intention. So Jackie was a missionary. Jackie Wilorski was a missionary in Romania. And what, a year ago, she dies in this car accident, which most people that take time to look at it go, if that wasn't an assassination, then tell me what it was, okay? Because the facts don't line up to what they want us to believe. So she was pressing in to the sex trade, supposedly, and probably other things. She couldn't, she was never gonna be defeated. She was that popular. And the word got out, she's gotta be eliminated. That's the point. For fear of the Jews, they were hiding in the upper room. What were they afraid of? Their life. Their life. Okay? And do you so, think the Mossad is not willing to kill somebody? So, the, the, so what, what is the net result here? The net result is voter apathy. And so a classic example, I've already mentioned the campaign with uh, Dawn Jones, who doesn't want to talk about homosexuality, which is the only issue in that race at that point. Uh, and at that point, uh, Pete wins re-election, okay? And then he gets to run for president and he goes on Colbert, Stephen Colbert's show, and he says, I got 80% of the vote. What he didn't tell Colbert is the percentage of people that showed up at the polls, which was 11%. Of the registered voters. 11% of the registered voters. There's no way the United Nations would ever certify an election like this if it were in Bosnia, okay? He got 80% of 11%. Uh, so there are roughly 100,000 
Well, how many registered voters? Of the registered voters, he, he, an 11% voted. He got 80% of the 11%. So he got 8% of the registered voters of St. Joseph County. Well, is that a mandate? No, it's a sign of complete uh, demoralization on the part of the electorate, where people, what I'm saying specifically, is what people recognize, and that's why they don't vote. They don't vote because they feel that the system is rigged and they're, they're, they see no, no way that their vote can make a difference. That's the point. Now, now COVID changed that to a certain extent because it was an issue that, uh, uh, you know, Amy stood up on it and that's what got her elected. But then she finds herself in a situation where she locates a real issue. Well, the Republicans won't support her. They won't, and I don't mean, well, they not support her, they voted against her. Uh, you said at the end, maybe in this one, this article, that the solution is going to be, we're going to have to be, have some actual real political activism to overthrow this. And that's not what's been happening. That they haven't been willing to do enough to take this on. I, I, say, I, I don't know what you mean by political activism. Amy Drake is an example of political activism. She got involved in the political process because of her experience. She got elected, and then as soon as she tries to do something, the, her own party stabs her in the back. But they didn't tell. If, I, look, if, if, if they did, did they tell her that they were go, that uh, Derek Dieter and the two other guys were going to vote against the very thing that she had promoted? I, I doubt very much that they told. Why did she go to the meeting if she knew that it was going to be? Uh, 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 turned against her. Well, Dieter is the libertarian in this case. Everyone's a libertarian. Eli Wax is a libertarian. That is the default setting of this thing. And libertarianism is an absolutely moronic political philosophy that says basically the rich should be able to do whatever they want. I mean, theoretically, they say everyone should be able to do whatever they want. But it comes down to the fact, if you've got a lot of money, you have more power to do whatever you want than the, the, the guy who can't get a decent job now. Well, Dieter and those guys argued that the parents, it's their responsibility to sort this material out so that yeah. the kids don't read it. But the problem is half the people in this country are being born out of wedlock. And by the time a lot of people reach 18, Three-fourths of the parents are gone. They've abandoned their children. So who's parenting these kids? So if we don't do something to put some boundaries, these kids don't have parents uh, in many well, cases. Well, I, I have a, um, a friend who uh, has a big family, moved into the uh, historic district, uh, and one of the things he was thinking about was that his children could, they're close to the library, they could ride their bikes to the library. And take up like you did. Yeah, I mean th that was my experience. Well, that's not going to happen. That's not going to happen now. They are not going to allow their children. So why should we allow a tiny minority? And I'm talking about homosexuals here. Why should we allow them to take over public institutions like the library? That doesn't make any sense. It's not freedom. It's not tolerance. It's complete intolerance. I know how many of my books are in the South Bend Public Library. That's what I mean. I mean, I've, how many, let me just, I don't want to blow my own horn here, but how many people have of South Bend, Indiana, 
have written as many books as I have. You would think that there would be like, gosh, this is like the Ring Lardner of South Bend. We have the Ring Lardner Library here uh, in Niles, which is one of the first places got taken over, that library, by the homosexuals. Uh, but that's not the case. That is not the case. We have no local representation here. The, the people who think that they uh, uh, assume office and think they have the responsibility and the duty and the opportunity to represent local interests are immediately shut down by either the Jews on the right, the Zionists, who want to, you have to promote genocide in Gaza, or the Jews on the left who promote the sodomization of the public library. That's it. They're the only two options. But you're dealing with uh, people here, um, and I'm not trying to be too mean, but they worked for Studebaker, an outside force. Now you have Notre Dame, which most people have n nothing in common with Notre Dame. Notre Dame is the biggest employer. They just bought the Tribune, okay. And Notre Dame doesn't have its act together. Studebaker is off. So there's oppression here, and unless they individually are real truth seekers, they're just going to yield to the latest. Well, but now wait a minute. Now there will be a reaction. There was a reaction. So if you if you um, prohibit speech, which is what the library does now, this is what the Jews are doing with their promotion of hate crimes legislation. Any criticism of Israel is now considered anti-Semitism. They want to pro throw people in jail because they can't control the narrative anymore. If you do that, you will promote violence. And it, I, I'm not saying this is violence, but there was a reaction. So the Proud Boys showed up in a library here. Remember that I mentioned that in mm -hmm. that. Uh, well, they're upset. I mean, this is the biggest thing to hit South Bend since what? Since the collapse of Studebaker. I mean, the, the sky is falling here. It hit me on the head. So what the local TV rushes off to the library and they got to get so this is a big story I mean you can f feel a helicopter flying over you know what I mean proud boys proud boys disrupt drag queen story hour I mean it doesn't get m more powerful than that so who do they get to give the definitive explanation of what's really going on who showed up to give the definitive explanation who was on camera I should know about who the ADL, oh, that's right. the Anti-Defamation League. Oh, wait a minute, this Jewish slander organization, the guy's from Chicago, but they bring him in to give you the perspective. This proves the point that I'm trying to make. Why was he brought in? Why was this group brought in? Well, I think that South Bend is being targeted to be taken over in the same way that Ireland and Germany and all of these countries in Europe are being targeted to take over. But they're taken over as, as Martin Luther's, most, one of his most famous books that's not mentioned, the Juden and Nira Lugan, the Jews and their lies. And he says, they're, they're, the Jews are your main enemy. That's what he kept trying to tell them. I mean, obviously Satan was the enemy, but he says the Jews are our persistent enemy. They're going to put you into debt if you're not alert. They're going to corrupt your morals if you're not alert. And 30 pages he had on Daniel 9, 24 to 27. This is the scripture they're going to they're twist and pervert, which is the fundamental scripture of Christian Zionism, okay? Which says, he will um, make a covenant 
in the middle of the week. He will confirm the covenant. That was always thought to be Jesus Christ at the cross will confirm the promises that were given in the middle of the week. Nope, Christian Zionism, nope, nope. Schofield said, no, that's, that's not Christ, that's Satan in the middle of the tribulation period, okay? And that's what, like with this little book, Anti-Semitism, that's what was sold and you're challenging, you were challenging that. The guy picked it up, Casey Hendrickson. And he had a, a moment of great revelation in the middle of that talk with you. And you guys were sparring a little bit. And you remember how he, he goes, you were not paying attention, but I was. He goes, I know who you are. The ADL says you're an anti-Semite. And then you felt like you were in Brazil at the Amazon with the piranhas because they... <laughs> They were gonna, they were gonna take you out, and fortunately, you had enough people around you that they had to go through. But he, here's this super conservative. He got a war, super conservative radio talk show host, and and who's his source of conservatism? The ADL. Now, now Peter, I. I remember this differently. I thought he said the SPLC. No, I don't remember that. I heard him I say thought ADL. I he said the SPLC. I heard him say ADL. Okay. Well, either way, it's obvious what's going on here. It's obvious that this guy is not a representative of the local culture. He's a commissar who is imposing these forms of control on people. That's what he's doing as a, as a, a talk show But host. I'm saying this community laps that type of stuff up, then that's the problem. He had no problem taking over this community and people just feeding on at, at his trough. Now, when you say this community, you're talking about the faithful here in this room. That is not, uh, I would say that's not a representative sample of the people of South Bend. Well, the people there at that meeting who represented the Republican Party, where Jackie Walorski used to give her talks, they were drinking him in like crazy. I understand, but that's not a representative sample. This is a self-selection process that is part of the problem. The part of the problem with the... Uh, Republican Party is that they've capitulated to this form of control and they have made themselves irrelevant as a result of that. They will never achieve any type of breakthrough of the type that they're hoping to have. There, if you, Amy's hope springs eternal in the breast of Amy Drake. Well, can She's it, still hoping that they will be, uh, take over more council seats and they will break the hold of the Democratic Party. Over, it's not going to happen unless you have an honest political system. And we, we've proven that we don't have it here. This is proof. She's proof that the, even the, the Republicans cannot be trusted to, to represent anything but these narrow uh, outside influence, like Christian Zionism. Well, can, can anybody ask the question, what is the Republican Party? What was their origin? Who were they in the beginning? And we, do, they, do they themselves ever ask that question? Because if they did, my brother and sister went to Ripon College. Okay, it's either Ripon, Wisconsin or Jackson, Michigan that claimed the, the origin of the Republican Party. But Ripon was next to Suresco, which was a Charles Foyer uh, experiment in how to make more wealth by, a, by living in community. So they had 1,400 of them trying to make more wealth than living individually. And after so many years, they said, nah, they gave it up. But then they, that was the base of the Republican Party, and they were really bad, okay? Because uh, Horace Greeley 
had the Chicago, the New York Tribune, which was the most famous paper, and supposedly I just read Karl Marx had like 500 articles in the years before the Civil War. Front page in the, in the South Bend Tribune, I mean, <laughs> the New York Tribune, and Lincoln read Marx all the time, okay? So the Republican Party was definitely tied to the communist worldview. But do they know that? And first of all, does it matter? I don't know whether it matters or not, because nothing, there's no rule that says a, a political party has to remain some, has to have some type of consistency, like the magisterium of the no, Catholic No, no, but Church. you raise the question, you, you must know who you are. And I'm only asking, does it matter? If, if you have to know who you are, are you going to lose? And you have well, who gets to determine who is the, what the Republican Party stands for? I mean, Amy Drake was elected. She's a member in good standing. She's a representative. People, Why can't she identified a, a legitimate issue in the culture wars? If I was a Republican, I would have a right to say, you know what? We need to get back to who we always were. We need to get back to who we originally were. And people go, yeah, that's right. That's right. That's always a good thing to say. We need to get back to our fundamentals. Oh, what were they? Karl Marx, uh, Horace Greeley, Abraham Lincoln. They were socialists. Okay, well, we don't want to go back to that. But yeah, but that's who we are. Well, that's not who we are now. Okay, then how do you know who you are now? How do you know? Well, that's the first question. Do you know who you are? Do you know who you are? I don't think Amy knows who she is because she's adopted a political philosophy that contradicts her religion. Obviously, she is driven by the fact that she's a Catholic woman, uh, the mother of Catholic children who is concerned about how those children are going to be raised and what they're going to be exposed to in a public, like the public library. That's obviously motivating her to take on the library system. But then there's this overlay of uh, libertarianism. This w was articulated by Derek Dieter, who says, well, you know, don't like it, change the channel. Well, no, that's, that's, not, that's not that simple. This is, this is philosophy for dummies. This is part of the problem. No, yeah, the problem is, look, we have a large group of people now in this town who are taking their Catholic religion seriously, and they're having large numbers of children, and they are founding new schools, and they want to have some type of community, and they are being systematically excluded from the cultural scene through the library and the electoral process by this phony opposition between uh, Democrat and Republican when it basically they're all the same thing anyway. Well, they're paying the tax money to support the public schools, okay? And the legislature... No, they, well, it's, they're getting vouchers. So this oh, okay. is a good situation okay. for, uh, you know, I mean, my, my children and grandchildren are involved in this thing right now. So I have a stake in this whole thing. But I realized one of the first things I said was, uh, that uh, I'm, I've been a resident of South Bend for over 40 years. And of course, that merited a joke on the part of Case. That doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything that you are a citizen anymore. The question is, are you being supported by wealthy people behind the scenes to control the population, to put them in certain concentration camps of the mind where they can only pull uh, certain levers to keep the uh, influential people in power. That's the issue. 
We have two parties that represent oligarchic Jewish interests in this town, and we have no party that represents the people of South Bend, qua people of South Bend. Well, the, None. Pr the proof that he, he was off, a couple of proofs that he was off, okay, and Judy was sitting there and thought he was completely off, okay, that he was the problem. Some people thought you were the problem, okay, so it, it wasn't clear because they couldn't understand what was going on. But you just noticed that 10 years ago you had less gray hair, okay? Now that, I don't want you to hold you accountable to that, okay? But I heard you say it, okay? The point is this, the man with the gray hair, you are to stand up in his presence, okay? Was Casey showing you the honor, if he was actually conservative, because that's what conservative means, you honor the gray head. Oh, let's, let's, all right, that's great. That would, that never in a million years is that going to happen anymore. But it's come down to, do I have standing as simply a citizen of South Bend? Or do I have to sign up with some type of ideological warfare, either to support gay libraries or genocide in Gaza? That's the problem. We have to sign up for genocide in Gaza or gay libraries, or we have no representation whatsoever. And that can't stand. That cannot stand. We have to do something about that. Yeah, you gave the Latin phrase there. I had to look it up. I... Non dator tertius. Yeah. We got one minute. One minute. Wrap it up. Okay, buddy. explain non dator tertius. There's that... no third alternative. There's no third alternative. So, so we're, in a, we're caught between a rock and a hard place? We have to come up with some type of breakthrough where the either okay either the p parties start representing the people of South Bend instead of moneyed outside interests or there will have to be a new party that is in alignment with the demographic surge that is now taking place it's going to come down to a battle between the Catholics and the Jews because they're the ones who are having children and the Jews are being recruited and so we're going to have to deal with this ethnic issue honestly okay don't shut me down by simply stating facts like this, by trying to call me an anti-Semite. It's not working anymore. It doesn't work. You didn't get the memo, but it's not working anymore. Okay, I think we are minutes up. Good. Okay, uh, this is Dr. E. Michael Jones and Peter Helen, uh, Citizens for Community Media here in the Notre Dame South Bend community.